Good day. Hello. This is the Chaffin Church <laughs> podcast. What was that? I don't know. It's hello. Just... Hello. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Marty Holman. Now? No. Damn. Gosh. Dan Cohane. He's so excited. He can't yes. wait. He can't wait. Yes. Ryan was saying the name of our guest. He was not cursing. So, <laughs> my name is Marty Holman. This is Ryan Thompson, and we want to let you know we are the hosts of the Chaffin Church Podcast, a community podcast centered right here in Holden, Massachusetts, at Chaffin Church, 155 Shrewsbury Street in Holden, and also, we'd love it if you could take a second, subscribe to this podcast, and share it, please, on social media, and you can also like it or do all the things that you can do on social media. But anyways, rate, review, and share. Thank you. Rate, subscribe, and share. Thanks for being here. Got a great show for you. But first, Ryan Thompson has a story. I do. I told Marty I, I had a story. It doesn't really have like a ton to do with our podcast necessarily, but it's just something that it's so interesting. I felt like I just, I had to share it because it's, it's funny. It's okay. really funny. So, or at least it's funny to me. Maybe you'll hear it and be like, that's messed up. That's not funny, but hopefully you'll laugh along with me. So, uh, this past weekend or, or what, when you're watching this will have been a couple weekends ago, I went to New York city to um, actually be a part of an independent film that a friend of mine, now when I say be a part of it, I don't mean act in it. I mean be a part of the crew on an independent film that uh, my friend is, has written and is directing. Okay. It's called Disaster Chasers. Um, you'll be able to see it. Uh, it'll be at film festivals and it'll probably be on YouTube eventually. I'll let everyone know when that's available on the podcast because it's actually, it's pretty cool. It's pretty okay. cool. Um, good, good film, great actors, uh, great crew. But uh, the story is actually part of, of when we were filming this movie. So uh, if you've ever been to New York City, uh, particularly Staten Island, that is where we filmed it on Staten Island. Staten Island is sort of like the suburbs of New York City. Like okay. it's technically the whole island is part of the city. It's one of the boroughs. But, you know, a lot of like police officers, a lot of the NYPD lives on Staten Island. A lot of teach people who teach in New York City, live on Staten Island. It's very suburban. Okay. So we're filming at this hotel in sort of like a, a little bit of a junky part, like a little bit of a lower income uh, a part of the, the, the city and, and, you know, not the nicest area, a lot of falling apart buildings there and everything. Okay. So we're filming at a motel and uh, one of, one of these, uh, a, a camera trick that has been in use since uh, movies really started being made is if you need to get a moving shot, like, like if the cameraman needs to be moving and you want to reduce like the bounce and sway, you put the cameraman in a wheelchair and you actually wheel them. And it's not, it's not totally bump free and it's not going to be as nice as a shot you'd see in like a, a Transformers movie or whatever. But it's, it's something. And it, and it works, and it works, so people still use it today. So uh, my friend is an independent filmmaker. We, we did not have a huge budget, so any money that we, we had, really, we put into uh, hiring a good crew and, and the equipment that we were using. Okay. And, and that was pretty much entirely uh, the camera, lenses, and a microphone. So this cameraman has like $100,000 of stuff that he's, he's holding in his hands, you know. 
And I was the production assistant on a film because I've never been on a film set in my life. This is the first time I've ever done it. But I grew up making movies with my friend and um, I started bawling my eyes out when I saw his first independent film. So I begged him to uh, be a part of this one in some way or shape or form. And he said, great, you can be my production assistant. And so I went there to, to help my friend out. And so this cameraman uh, asked me, that he was the director of photography for the film, asked me to wheel him in this wheelchair because there was a scene where someone was running through the motel parking lot. And hopefully that doesn't give too much about the film away. But there, so uh, we had to get a running shot and I had him on the wheelchair and we did a couple practice runs, okay? I am <laughs> Marty's nervous. about to gasp. I am nervous for you right <laughs> I now. I know, it gets bad. So, so, <laughs> so we're running through the parking lot and like, I'm, I'm not an athlete by any means, you know, uh, but no. And I was pretty tired because this was actually quite literally the last shot that we were going to film for that day. Now, I've been on my feet all day. It's a 15-hour day, okay? okay? It's just starting to get dark. I am very tired. So, but I could run pretty, pretty fast still. Um, but the trouble was I had trouble slowing down. So that was the first thing we noticed, like slowing him down at the end of the shot. It just took a lot of, you know, runway. It yeah. took a lot of runway for me yeah. to slow down. So basically, um, we were one of the third time we did it. The, the third shot we, we ran, uh, this wheelchair, it was one of those folding wheelchairs. It actually started to fold up <laughs> as we were running. As in, I don't know, uh, the listeners might not be able to see this, but you would push the seat up and then, then the wheelchair, the two sides would come in towards each other yeah. and you could fold up and put it in a car. So it started to fold up while the cameraman, while the, while the director of photography was sitting in it with this hundred thousand dollar camera rig in his oh, hands my word and two of the wheels turned in towards each other we were going seven eight miles an hour however fast i could run is you know so and three four miles per hour sure yeah. three four whatever whatever <laughs> so then uh one of the footrests hit the ground and from there the wheelchair started to flip <laughs> it was so awful and he went flying no. out of the wheelchair like flying no and he, so he was holding the camera in what's called a steady cam rig. And so the camera was attached to him on a harness, okay? Okay. Well, you've probably seen that when you've seen yeah. pictures of cameramen before. So he goes flying and the camera like was on this like string thing and it swung up into the air and it hit the, the pavement lens first into oh, the ground. My then Ryan. the cameraman hit the ground immediately after oh, and Ryan. he started yelling and so and i i took a tumble over the wheelchair but i was okay i didn't have any scrapes or cuts or whatever for, so for your sake i hope you three, are maimed three people okay three other people started running towards us and i thought they were running towards the cameraman who had just taken a terrible fall out of this chair they completely no, ignored you they completely ignored the cameraman um i they knew i was fine because i i didn't even fully fall over but they completely ignored the director of photography and went right for the camera oh, <laughs> so he's laying there writhing in pain on the ground so i went over to him and he so that even the director of photography was like what happened to the camera and i'm like you know what let's just make sure you're okay first he's like no what happened to the camera <laughs> you know, he was he was so concerned about that so he had like some bloody knees but so he was fine 
but uh, the camera, the camera had a little chip out of like the front ring of the lens, not the lens glass itself. Okay. But other than that, it was completely fine. Wow. Right? But, and we had gone two full days of shooting and not like it was totally fine up until that moment. That was, and, and we decided at that point to call it a wrap because they said, look, the first two shots we got of the wheelchair shot yeah. are good enough. And so, I'm sorry, I know I took eight minutes to tell that story. I hope but, you use that as an opportunity to share the gospel. Yes, I did. <laughs> you know, as you care for this camera, oh. Jesus cares for you. Yes. <laughs> no, no. Oh, man, it was kind dude. of an epic moment, but I figured I would start our podcast today uh, with that story. But the movie is called Disaster Chasers. Okay. We should, uh, or, or uh, hopefully when it comes out, I will be able to share the link uh, alongside our, our is podcast. Is it a full feature? No, it is. It's a short film. I think the, the run time that they're projecting is between 15 and 20 minutes long. So, Well, I think that's a perfect story to start us off because today's podcast is all about creativity. Hmm. And so we have, of course, chaffing good news. We have a delicious message from me. It del really delicious. I'm not sure why I described it that way, <laughs> but I, once again, I promise to say what I think, uh, what I'm thinking. And of course, on family reunion, Mr. Daniel Cohane will be here. So let's have him come in right now, Mr. Dan Cohane. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> You are so angry. You are so angry that we put you back behind the doors. Are we, we not? Okay. We're, you know, I find, I find that, you know, since COVID, people are, are just, you know, we're like, okay, are we fist bumping because that's better yeah. for the germs? And then I go for the handshake, they go for the fist bump, and then we oh. change a couple times, you know? It'll Have you noticed that? I know. And I know, right? It's not right? awkward. You just do that thing. <laughs> What's you know what I say? Embrace, Embrace the, awkward. the awkward. My friends and I called that the dead fish when we were growing up. I'm just kind of the <laughs> dead fish, dead fish, dead fish. Well, that's the handshake that doesn't really. It's like it it's like the handshake that's not an actual handshake. It doesn't really grasp. Have you taught the, the kids the thing? I don't want you to do anything <laughs> awkward to me right now. <laughs> if you're if you're in the audio podcast, Daniel Dan reached out his hand and. I'm just not going to trust him in that <laughs> shape. That's right. There's an audio and a visual portion. So for the audio portion, we're... Hopefully, come out clear. That was the worst. It was. Anyways, Dan? Sir? We wanted to talk to you today about creating, right? Creation. Uh, we went back and forth on this. Do you remember the first time we really hung out with Dan? Uh, the, we re, uh, I, you know, I think Are I remember. Are you sure you want to tell this story? <laughs> I remember the first time I, I met Dan at Fellowship Church in, uh, I believe it was 2013 or 2012, something like that. Nope, 2014. It was the oh, month 14. before we moved to the Showcase month North. Before, yes. Oh, yes. So you came when we were all obsessed with Oceans. Oceans, yeah. The yep. song by Hillsong yep. uh, United or Hillsong Worship, whatever. And uh, and we had painted those uh, 
clouds or the was it the ocean, ocean on the, yeah, on the on walls the and waves. we all signed it. Yeah, it was like the theme song. Yes. But then in moment. May of 2014, the end mm. of May, we all went to the Warrior Conference together. Yes, that's right. So do you remember you the story about him? Because he, we, we debated whether he should tell this story because it's such a classic Dan moment. I still don't think we should tell the story. So we're going <laughs> to tell this story and then we can edit this section out. Okay, okay. Or I can, I can do it on the audio <laughs> and you can edit it out on the video. So good. Just like I edited your book. That's that's true. This actually. is like that's a little blackmail. Now, do you want to tell the story? <laughs> Go for <laughs> it. Just Am I telling the story? You're gonna tell the story. Oh. Yes, please. Oh, okay. It, it's it's uh, well anyway. So the Gloria Conference, for anybody who doesn't know, is um, it's a men's conference that's held by Granite United, and it takes place in Waterville Valley. How come I don't get a microphone? Is that picking me up? That is picking you up. Waterville Valley. <laughs> wow. And, uh, so it's fun. It's good. I, I thought it was kind of a silly name, but it was, it, was a great, it was a great time. So I only just got to know you guys, it was probably a month, right? Maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that was the end of February that you came. Was it? That, and, well, yeah, you're right. It was the day of the uh, Oscars. And then that was probably the end of May, early June. All right. So, and, uh, so Friday night on a traditional Warrior Conference, it's Thursday, Friday, Thursday, to Friday to Saturday, and then we come home Saturday. Um, all the pastors have to scurry home to write their sermons. Um, <laughs> so Friday night, Marty, traditionally you have everybody from the church. We all get together, have pizza at night, and we talk. And so, and it gets it gets really deep. It was it was awesome. So I had just really met a lot of people that that night. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, so as we all went around, and I forget what the actual question. It was almost like everyone gives their testimony. Right. It was, and, and, yeah. 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 You know, how have you gotten close to Jesus? How did you develop a relationship? We got and maybe, like, what, like, maybe their testimony or what you learned from this particular oh, right. weekend. Because mm -hmm. we've already gone through three messages that we've heard and, yeah, and right. experienced a lot. So I just met the, and I, I don't know, he hasn't been on yet, but uh, uh, Mario. Um, yes, Mario. Yeah, uh, and um, he gave his testimony, and it's 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 an amazing story. It yes. really is. And I'm, I'm, someday, hopefully, you'll have him on because it's, it's a great it's a great story. Yeah. And um, so Mario's talking. I had just met him, and um, at the end, he's a plumber, so he's talking about how he does all this work for people. And I haven't said boo. And I, I have. It's very important. For anybody, one of those like I think it's Dan's rule of life number one ninety seven. Just and you need to learn it. Just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it. <laughs> I don't need to learn it. <laughs> no, you. Do. I think so much more than I actually say. Which is very frightening. Yeah. I I don't remember the story. I'm actually oh. very interested. So he's talking. He goes on and he starts talking about how he was working on. I think it was your shower. Yes. And um, he was he's had to put the new knobs in. And he's, yeah, yeah. He's putting holes in through the shower walls. And <laughs> so at the same time, we're making jokes because everyone before this had had gone around and Mario had worked on everyone's yeah, shower. Right. So he was kind of making jokes. And then, yeah, and right, then, he had. He had worked on everybody's shower. He was describing. <laughs> and then, so that's kind of how he finished. And it got really quiet. And I'm just looking at him and I said, 
I'm strangely aroused. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I totally <laughs> remember just, now. Because nobody knew who the heck I was. <laughs> we <laughs> lost <laughs> it. It had to be an hour long laugh. Was, uh, oh. I kept it cool because you just can't laugh at your own words. Yeah, so, which was funny because actually that's something that when I, actually I had never gotten baptized until I went to fellowship. Yep. And the day I got baptized, Al Dancing was up on the, uh, the porch and he almost yelled out, I'm straight. <laughs> which was completely just Oh my goodness. Us, uh, if you would have let us go to the Warrior Conference again. If you ever want to break some sort of like weird quiet, the only way to do it is to say, like out of the blue, I'm strangely aroused. Yeah, some people I don't know if this is church talk. Listen, Martin Luther, yep. if you are going to sin, sin boldly. <laughs> Thank you, yes. It's a real Martin Luther quote. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of which, you'll be in Minneapolis next week. And why that's important is because there's a lot of Lutherans in Minneapolis. There are. Right? Well, there are. A lot of angry British private detectives in Minneapolis? I have no idea what you're yeah. referring to. Yeah, what do you right mean? Now. Hey, I have Hulu. Luther, have you ever seen Luther? No. It oh, yes, Luther. I've seen, but what that has to do with Minneapolis, I don't He's know. He's a Luther, so Luther, so. Oh, Luther, Very, because he was oh, connecting. You know, I, yeah. I yeah. There, there probably was a connection. This is a there. podcast? Podcast. <laughs> in 2021? <laughs> But I will say about the, that, that weekend, though, on a completely side note, my wife, Linda, um, whom you had on the very first podcast. Yes. Yes. She was on her very first um, podcast. She was like, oh, I don't know. You know, she's, you know we, we were looking for churches that were close by. We had just gotten married, and we had, she had moved into Princeton, and um, we, were, we were driving an hour to go to a great church, but we were driving an hour to get there. So hmm. anyway, we were staying at Fellowship, and she said she really didn't want to say anything, but she really was kind of like, is this the place... We should be settling down. And she picked me up after the warrior conference and saw me get out of the car with all these guys, hugging everybody that I really had just gotten to know. She goes, I saw you with those guys, and I knew we were not leaving. <laughs> and that was like seven years ago. So There you go. And the rest <sighs> is history. <laughs> you are really focused on that mic. Yeah. Just staring at me like this angry wizard waiting so, Dan, you're a yes. pretty creative guy. Uh, you're, and, and today's podcast is, is, is really about creativity. That's a strange coincidence. Right, right. So, when did you start? Like, you're, you probably are creative in a lot of ways, but one of the main ways is writing. When did you start creating in that way? I think, really, I was, I was already a grown-up. I wanted to be a writer since... I was a teenager, a young teenager. I wanted to be, I always was good at it. I wanted to be a writer the day, or the, the period of my life when I was probably 14, when I read Ray Bradbury. Okay. And I said, well, this guy's really big. And he broke every rule the teachers drilled into our heads as far as grammar. And he, he, he's amazing. He's just, the man writes with so much joy. And I mm. said, I, I, I read a story and it changed my life as far as I just, I want to do that. But then, I tended to live in fear. I had no self-confidence. I, I put this off until I was 23, graduated college, moved out to central Massachusetts. And, and then I joined a writing class, started a writer's group with my friend Fran that she was in the class. And then we started doing it. But it was years before I had the nerve to try, to try writing. 
And then I wrote my first horror story. And I went, oh, this is fun. <laughs> now, that's interesting. Why did you, I mean, of course, when I met you, you were pretty much putting out horror stories. Mm. Why did you gravitate towards that? Is there a darker side of you? <laughs> um, I think it's funny because I, I would go every year to Nikon, like one of the best horror writers conventions in the world, and it's um, very laid back. And you meet all these people who are, you know, big horror writers are starting out, and they're all very mellow people, very normal lives. They have their, their families and occasional things in the basement, but I mean, for the most part, they're just like like you and me. Have you ever heard the story of uh, someone asked Stephen King uh, how, how he wrote his, uh, his or how he wrote Where horror so well? Yeah. yeah, and he said, um, well, I have the heart of a young boy in a jar on my desk. <laughs> in a jar on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the exception. He's, he's a little left of center. But it is, I, I just think, it, I don't know, it's fun. Why do people go on roller coasters? Why do... Mm -hmm. Why do we like horror movies? Actually, I don't like horror movies. They scare me. But I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a letting go. It's a, mm. it's a jumping off into, you know, this deep water, you know, this deep water off that cliff, but you're terrified of doing it, but you do it. Well, other people do it. I would never do that. It's stupid. But uh, jumping off the cliff. Mm -hmm. I've seen, read too many books. But I mean, it, it was, I just, I enjoyed it. I mean, there was one point where, Someone said to me, you know, just, you, you don't write a lot. I mean, horror is a small market. Try writing something normal, you know, like a normal story. And so we were camping, and I, I saw all these people um, living, you know, their lives in their campers, and there's all these little stories going around. I'm like, I could write a little book about all these stories, and I'm thinking about it the whole weekend. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Those are cool people. And then I picture these creatures coming out of the lake and starting to eat everybody. And I got really excited. <laughs> and I said, all right, I guess I'm a horror writer. I guess so. Up until a few years ago, that's really what I did. Now, this is a question for all of us. What is the greatest thing that you have created? My children. No, no, no. That's, that's a great answer. That was a great answer. It was <laughs> an answer. As a matter of fact, that's so great. But I actually mentally wrote down, I need to tell Dan that he cannot say his children. <laughs> I thought about that. I thought that you, you were going to answer. Did. I did. I, I, and because I was thinking, when I, when I ask questions, right, I'm thinking like, it's kind of like the Jesus juke, like there's a Jesus, like, like the generic, like what's mm -hmm. the greatest yeah, thing the in your life? God, God's the greatest thing in my life, which I, I'm good with that, right? Yeah. Like, but that's not really what it, what it, what I want to know is, in terms of creating art yeah. or technology or whatever, what is the greatest thing that you've... I'm going to start with Ryan, though. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, 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 that's a good question. I think... You should say my children, right? <laughs> my children, yes. <laughs> my many, many children. No, um, I, I, think, I think for me, it's just like just in general whenever i'm a part of a team and i i just i find that when i'm a part of a team that i really know and trust i create better things and hmm. so one one time when i know i just i created something kind of epic and i i really loved it was when um when we were all at fellowship and we we went to uh you know went from bullard street to the movie theater and just yep. 
nearly every part of that um, move, I, I had some role in, no, no matter how small it was. Uh, but in particular, it was the, you know, the audiovisual um, stuff that we, we, we purchased, we all trained on. Uh, Dan was actually part of that at, at that time. And I put so much, it wasn't like, like pressure from me, but I was just like, look guys, like I clearly, I can't do this like yeah. by myself, you yeah. know, like there's so many things. Right, right. And so, um, and so many good things, you know, came from, from the really, I mean, really it was from the team, but it just, it felt so good to um, have, have had a creative role in just putting, putting the right people in the right places. And then like the outcome from that was just, Oh man, it was so like you so much. It was it was so ways. much yeah. oh, adrenaline there. Yeah, so yeah. cool. Yeah, what a great answer. That's good. How about you, Dan? Church again. <laughs> uh, actually, okay. So I've written a number of books, a lot of stories, but I probably my favorite. And, you know, they're all it's like books are like your children. They're all kind of your favorite. But Margaret's Ark was probably. Um, I'm from Boston, obviously, because I just said Margaret's Ark. Margaret's Ark. Margaret's Ark. You go ahead, Amazon. Um, that, that was a fun book. That was a book I just, I had written a story called Lavish, and that was just me and my friend Fran, we had picked the word lavish out of the dictionary years and years ago. And we said, this was our assignment in the writer's group, write a story based on it. And one of the hmm. definitions of that, that was kind of, wasn't in every dictionary, said a deluge of water which made no sense for the word lavish. So I said, all right. So I wrote this story called Lavish about what if the great flood happened today? It's a what mm. if, but what, what, with mass media, with, um, you'd have to have more people than just one being told to build an ark. So I wrote this story and actually sold it to a, to a, a pretty big magazine. It was, it was pretty cool. But I wanted to write, I wanted more of that. So I said, I want to write the story of Margaret. The story took place on the last day. I went back. 60 days and I said, well, I want to tell the story of how the world suddenly has to build arcs. Thousands of people around the world have to build an hmm. arc. And I just, I loved the characters. I, I did research. I, I had people from, I think he was living in Greenland, answer the question I posted and said, how can I build an arc with Home Depot supplies and no real skills? And he drew, I, I still can't find this guy. I, he, he, <laughs> he gave me diagrams on how to, everything in the book is accurate the boat would float. And it's with big cement blocks and plywood and, and wow. it was just, it was an awesome experience. I loved writing that story. I mean, I, I love everything I write. The book I'm writing right now called The Psalms Project, I'm really loving it. I really just, I, I'm enjoying it as much as when I wrote Margaret's Ark. Hmm. And, um, but that was, that was a, that was a hoot to write. <laughs> I would say my, I have two that I think are the greatest. The first one is Flat Earth, yeah. which of course you edited, yeah. and uh, it, to me, I look back at it, I was like, that, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I'm, th like, I'm thankful I did it. The other one was a song. With, uh, I was in a band, oh, perhaps you guys buffalo. hadn't heard, uh, called Albino Buffalo, and it was in the late 90s, and me and my writing partner, CJ, who was a keyboardist for the band, he, he came up with the music and I started singing this tune. I actually believe 
that in the early night in the early 2000s it could have taken up like we would sing it before, I had a, my friend Chris Crow who you know you guys mm -hmm. know uh, Chris is a pastor in the area he was at the time a youth pastor of one of the largest youth groups in New England and he would have Albino Buffalo come and have us play and we would always play that song the first time we did it we were like oh, I hope you know, we were doing like open the eyes of my heart, like <laughs> stuff that was famous at that time. Lord, I lift your name on high. Anyway. As long as that were in the key of C. Correct. Uh, no, G, G. Oh, G. And oh, all of a sudden, G. we decided to do this song, and it was like, it was crazy. They loved it. Oh, it kind of wow. had this, it was kind of an A minor, so the stained thing going on. And, uh, Anyways, hmm. that that was a, we. So at that point, we did it every week, and every week they lit up and loved it. Wow! But it never got past that youth group. Hmm. Um, so good. So, why do you think it's true? We could do it here, right? Oh yeah. But it yeah. Got to call why up do you CJ. Think creating yeah. is so important to the church, or is it important in the church? I think it's best. Yeah. I mean, creative. I mean. And again, and this is not to get into, you know, when I say the word conservative, I'm not talking politics in any way. But I think we've all grown up, if you grow up in, a, I grew up Catholic, very conservative, like nothing ever changes, you know, it's, it's, it stays the same. And uh, you can't grow if you stay the same. I'm kind of, I'm the kid that would rearrange his bedroom every six months. Hmm. If I did, my mother came in and did it. Um, but you have to grow, you have to do stuff, you have to learn to paint, you have to learn to, you have to if you're afraid of dancing, you should go and dance. You, you gotta try stuff, because you gotta stretch. Mm -hmm. And it's creative, it's like, what, what can we do um, better? And if you, it's just, if you, who, I think it was your dad, in the podcast, it really struck me when he said this, really did. He goes, and I'm gonna paraphrase him badly, the current generation needs to, Reach to their, I forget how we they have to it. reach their own generation. They have to reach generation. their own generation because it's you're from a different spot, and, and mm -hmm. one of the reasons is it, it, it's different. Things are different. You get different experiences. You have different upbringings, different TV shows you grew up on, whatever it is. But if you want to stay the same, it's not what we're designed for. God mm -hmm. wants us to grow constantly. We'll we'll reach our Christian self-actualization and then we get, we get all the answers, I hope. Mm -hmm. But until then, if we're not growing, we're, we're sinking. You know, we're like sharks in a way. At least that's the way I look at life. You, wanna, you want to create because you want to share what you have in unique ways with people. Because every time I write now, because I enjoy it, I need to, and I just keep reminding myself, there's probably one person that will, that will benefit from what I'm doing. In it, mm -hmm. I don't care about a thousand anymore or ten thousand. I just need if one person will benefit, hmm. draw closer to God. And I did a good job. Yeah? Hmm. Why do you think? I mean, you talked about one denomination, but it's not just that denomination. No, no, no. But why? Why do you think people buck against healthy creativity? People. Yeah, I'm gonna throw the enemy. It's, He's, a, he's the bad guy in this story. Okay. And the enemy doesn't want us connecting with God. 
the enemy doesn't want us living in community and 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 the best way he worked one of his best tools one of his best tools sex is one the other one is fear we're afraid we're afraid to go outside i mean sometimes fear is good fear is a healthy thing that keeps us alive but we especially it just seems maybe because i'm i'm, I'm at that generation now where i can say the new generation is always afraid yeah but no we were all <laughs> i was, a, I, was <laughs> I lived in fear a lot when i was a kid hmm. if you live in fear and i'm probably diverting from the answer you you won't take chances you won't you won't take risks and then you won't you won't be of any use to god being his hands and feet if you're hiding behind the same hymns or the same readings or the same habits that you get into they they get comfortable mm -hmm. so sometimes you just have to throw paint on the wall and see what, what, you, what you get you know i don't that's why a writer you can always edit your metaphors later, but when you're talking, you can't. <laughs> so I apologize for all my terrible metaphors. I, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. Fear is certainly one of them. I would say another one, and based on the earlier denomination you used, the other one might be systems, mm -hmm. right? So when I put in systems, which are pretty important at times, when I, I put in systems for my, for my laundry, True story. We have six people in our family, right? Mm -hmm. So unless there's a system, yeah. it's going to get crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I have on Monday and Thursday, I do Sawyer and Xander's laundry. On Tuesday and Friday, I do Scarlett and Marishka's laundry. On Wednesday, I do the towels. And on um, Sunday and... Thursday, uh, Thursday and Friday. Yeah, I don't think you said Friday. I skipped two, but anyways. Oh yeah, I, Sunday, maybe this is why I messed up. Anyways, two other days, the other two remaining days, I do Carrie and I's laundry. And... That's so sad for some reason. <laughs> I'm gonna start crying. Don't, don't start crying. I have to do it or it's gonna get crazy. Six people, you have to. But at the same time, when we build systems like that, it takes away like any creativity like let's say you do the same order of service in a church what about creatively doing something different no we can't do that right. so all of a sudden those systems get in the way of yeah. really healthy yeah. creativity well, you know the thing the thing that i well there's two two places in scripture that whenever i talk about change in church People always go back to these two places in Scripture. One is it's the ministry of Jesus, right? That, you know, they're like, well, that's not the way Jesus did it, you know. And then on the other place is the book of Acts, right? Oh, we have to do it the way, you know, the church did it in the book of Acts. So, and the thing that I have to say about both of those is the same. Jesus was quite literally the most theologically and, you know, the way he did ministry innovative person of all time like literally like the most innovative and so innovative that the pharisees and the sadducees who wanted to keep things the same way because they had a vested interest in that wanted to stop him from being creative they were coming up against that 
the book of Acts, you know, it was less the Pharisees, more the Sadducees, but same type of thing. Yeah. You know, they had a vested interest in the order of things staying the same because they're in cahoots with the Romans and the governor, you know, uh, Herod who was there. And so like they, they really did not want the church to, to innovate at all. So like when people say we need to do things the way that Jesus did it, the way the book or the book of Acts, the, the apostles did it. Like what you're actually talking about is just incredible innovation and creativity. So when you say we need to do it like the way they did it in the book of Acts, what you're actually saying is we need to be innovative. We need to change mm. on the regular. We need to be like super, super creative all the time, you know. And so and one thing that I've been you know, talking with Marty about a lot lately is like I think you know, tradition, you know, traditions are good, right? But just like in the book of Acts, just like Jesus, you know, we need to make creativity and change. Uh, that needs to be one of our most important traditions that, that we keep. When things, when, 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 when the time comes to change, our tradition needs to be to make those changes. You know, we need to be creative in that way, well, so. And, and that, and what you said I think is important and just to play devil's advocate to take the other yeah. point when the time comes to change our mission should be to change which I agree with yeah. and, that's, and that can be the tricky thing in the church setting when you have, it's a structure, it's a system um, you have to make sure that you're clear, you're prayerfully acknowledging this is the time for a change Oh yeah. because you just can't constantly, I mean people need some consistency oh, like, right. like, I'm the kids minister downstairs so we do the KT5 Little younger kids need consistency. It's I like right. the orange platform that we use because it does mix things up. But it's right. some things are consistent. Cause so kids and adults all you need some kind of consistency. But when that becomes your god in a way, this is what we do. Right. That's wrong. You know? Right. So, so figuring out when that time for change. Exactly. Uh, we have a mutual friend named Garrett, and. Garrett, when I, when, when I first had, we, Carrie and I first had the twins, he gave me some advice that I'd never forgotten, which is shocking, because he's given me a lot of advice, most of which I've forgotten. <laughs> but I have not forgotten this, Garrett. And he said, he said this, they, meaning the twins, will always be, they will always know something before you think they know it. And so what happens is you treat your children like they are this certain age and they are so quickly progressing past it that if you're not careful, you are not leading them. They're, you're actually following behind mm. their own mindset. Or holding, yeah. or holding them back, which is even worse. And I think that can be the, the same is true with creativity in the church. I mean, as you know, the leadership even within a congregational church, there's a board, right? And the leadership has to kind of understand that we are leading the church. And so in the context of that leadership, we need to know when, when is the right time to change and, and when is the right time to make those changes. So let's get, let's get real realistic in our conversation. What does Chaffin have to do to get better in regards to creating and because I mean, the conversation is really about creation. What do we have to do to get better in regards to creation, creating things? 
people. One thing. Um, I'll use a quick example for this, like the mm. missions team. Um, after the COVID hit and then the great timeout began, and we just kind of things kind of stopped. Before that, our missions team was was doing amazing things. I mean, they yeah. were just they had the co-drives. They had all these fundraisers. Every month they picked something and they did it. And they when when we first met with them, we were like, oh my! And they're like, are we doing enough? <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. I've never seen a church do as much as you guys. And they really, but they were, they had a system. They were, they, they, were, they had a good pace. But that's anyway. actually real quick. That's something I didn't mention last week in last week's episode. Is that one of the things I was so proud of Chaffin, even though in the last several years they were really struggling. Their serving, their mm -hmm. service to the community, put anything that I had done in the last. 10, 15 years to shame. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was. It was. And then, and then it all kind of stopped because, um, because most of the board had to stay in the house. I mean, we all kind of it shut down. So anyway, it's it's picking up again. And at the moment, with the people we have, at the it was just I was sort of running it, but I wasn't doing anything with it. It wasn't growing. It wasn't getting mm. any better. But now Matt and Katie Goulet have stepped up. And uh, they've been coming to the food drives, and they they are now the chairs of the of the missions board, and yeah. they will get involved. They will have the drive. They want to do it, and it will grow. And and so I think as you get people involved that want to serve, and people have a role, people have a, a desire to serve. They just need to be in a place where they can either, like when you got me involved in production stuff that I had to stretch. I oh, yeah. I, I, well, Dan, Dan sort of in particular, because, you know, I think a lot of people that came to fellowship with us had, had been there for a while, yeah. at, at least six months, you know, so they kind of knew where we were going. And yes. I had kind of been casting that vision for a while. But, but Dan, Dan was there for four weeks. <laughs> and I was just like, hey, Dan, Dan. Why don't you come and I, I put on a friendly face, but I'm, I'm about to push you out of yeah. the nest. Okay. You know, Pop that's what's about to happen. I'm just like, I'm going to push you out of the nest and you need to fly yeah. before you hit the ground. Yeah. You know, like, that was yeah. sort of the. Uh... <laughs> no, you were, you were, it's from what I remember, initially you were doing Pro Presenter, right? You were doing. Yeah, you were learning Pro Presenter from. Yeah, yeah. So you're running slides yeah. and Angela was teaching you. Um, but that that is one of the most creative positions because not only you're not just hitting you know an arrow key, you are building the slides like like the very images that people are are engaging with while they're worshiping yeah. Jesus. You know those are the images that you are building. You know sometimes yeah. if if the person doesn't make it to practice, you are literally building them like a few minutes before. So So Alba, thank you so much yes. for what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I realize so. what she's doing on that computer. You know, the, the, and the tech people really, you know, for not just this church, but any church, you know, it's something you don't realize. It's, it's one of those thankless heroes thing. Yes. The only time you're going to get attention when you're in the tech booth in most, most churches is when something goes wrong. Like if you ever want to feel like that, like eyes like daggers thing, you know, <laughs> if, if you screw up on the soundboard, you know, during either a song or a message, it's like those people on the stage, but not just the people on the stage looking at you like that. It's the congregation. That is the worst part. When you see someone's head yeah, swivel around, you want to talk about horror. Oh, that man. that is it. 
Yeah. That is it right there. Yeah. So. But I mean, the thing, the thing with, with this case with me is, is that I never saw myself as a leader. Mm. Became but you bit. were, you were right. Like, like very shortly, I think after I ended up moving on, you became the. What was the term? Was it producer, production, production director? Director. Production director. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Actually, people moved on, but it's yeah, exactly. So I mean, for for growth, for change, you, if you sit there going, I I'm going to do change, I'm going to bring change into this church. No, no, you have to get people right in the mix to yeah. do it. And what, the more people, I mean, look at the, the, the fellowship when you moved to the movie theater. It could have fallen, but people came in, you drove people in, yep. people were excited about it. So yeah. we had the volunteers. I mean, there was a lot of people, and there was a you know, 60% volunteer or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's un, unheard of. This includes carrying <laughs> equipment out of trucks or. Oh, basement, my goodness. Setting up a church every morning, doing two services, yeah. taking it all down before you can go home. Well, you know, I, I was talking to a, a church that does that every week mm. for 11 years, oh, yeah. right? Wow, 11 years. And they're about to go into a building. And he was, and the pastor was telling me that there, there's a certain mentality, there's a certain personality of people. Mm. And those people, if he, you know, he kind of asked other pastors, like, if they're not careful, those people will stop serving altogether because that's the kind of stuff, the thankless thing, yeah. the behind the scenes. They don't want to be on stage. They have no interest in singing a song yeah. or being anywhere near the lights. Yeah. They want to be behind the scenes, maybe not even during the service. Maybe they'll come in and sit in the back in the service, and, but they're not going to be mm -hmm. highly involved where a lot of people are interaction. Right. And then when, so when they get to a permanent location, that could be an issue. Correct. Yeah. So... Anyways, thank you, Dan. Sure. We're going to go right now to the message, the delicious message. The yes. delicious message. You did. Being totally well behaved behind I feel like I feel like you're going to put something like like super scandalous in this message now. Yeah. For it to be delicious, you really have to do that now. I feel like you do. Now I have to make something up, but I probably <laughs> will I probably will think it. Because you're so and then the question creative. Is, should I share? <laughs> you are so creative, you will think something up. I'm very excited right now. Uh, I'm going to share, first of all, a verse, a passage from Lamentations chapter 3, mm. and read this for you. The faithful love of the Lord never ends, his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of His discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dust. For there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. 
which is like a really intense way to finish. Yeah. I probably should have given another positive verse or two, but I thought I'd finish there. And uh, I wanted to just share three things that God is faithful through. First of all, I think that passage is pretty clear that God is faithful. What's hard is that the church in general and, and, and mature Christians in general are having a hard time, maybe they're, they're not having a hard time teaching this, but they're having a hard time proving this to new believers. I feel like God's faithfulness in the midst of certain circumstances is really hard to grasp for people today. And so, I want to... Question. Yes. This is just something I want to say, because I've heard this word before. And every now and then, when I hear the word, I think to myself, do people really know what faithfulness means in the terms of God's faithfulness? Okay. Like, I mean, and I'm actually almost asking the question. I, okay. I, I hear it as God said he would be here. God said, this is how I look at you, how I feel about you. That won't change. Yes. God's word doesn't change. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. You know, well, I think in the New Testament, it's referred to as Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with us. Right? Well played. <laughs> I think that is true. Yeah. I think... That, so that's the New Testament way of saying it. But it was no less true before, and it's no less true now, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. And so I think that that is his faithfulness, and that he is with us through all those times. If you think about the Israelites from years before, who were in slavery... And then went through the wilderness. And what did they say to themselves? As soon as they went through hard circumstances in the wilderness, they said, you remember, you remember back then when we were enslaved? And we, at least we had, at least we had, at Which least we had this. And they felt, in, in a very real sense, alone. Yeah. And so, three things that God is faithful through. First of all, He's faithful through loneliness. Man, what a great opportunity for us to teach this right now uh, in the midst of COVID, right? Have you guys ever felt lonely? Ryan's nodding his head for you, podcast. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I am. I'm nodding my head. Yes, I, I have. Post captioning brought to you. <laughs> can you guys, can you guys ever, can you think of anything specific, a specific time that you've been lonely? The loneliest year of my life. I was living in central Washington state, which is a very, very rural area. And uh, I was interning at a church out there. And the only friend that I had like in that entire area was my boss. She was my only friend, wow. you know? So it was just like, it was really hard. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was mostly working with youth, you know, so I, and, and I was 25, so I wasn't going to be like best friends with like the high school students or whatever. So it was just like, oh, it was, it, and, and this was right after fellowship and Marty and I have actually talked about this on the podcast before. Right. I was still sort of, well, not sort of, I was still mourning the loss of, of most of those close, close uh, relationships I had. 
uh, at fellowship at the time and so um yeah that was just like like i mean so much learning came through that and then i i, I would i would do it again but but it was the loneliest year of my life for would sure. you do it again i would wow i would because i i wouldn't i wouldn't have become who i am today without without that year mm. so what a great what a great one. Was God faithful through that time? Of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I was in a lot of ways, more, more than one. I was like, God, what are you doing right now? I have, I have no idea what you're doing right now. You yeah. Know? But, uh, but he, he is faithful for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so through our loneliness, God is faithful. Also, through our consequences. Scripture said here, if I could... And it is good for people submit at an early to submit to at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Mm. I mean, that's such a hard thing. That that takes a maturity that goes beyond anywhere I was at at an early age. Yeah. I mean, to know that I've done something dumb, and then I'm in the hand of of his discipline, and I am being disciplined by God. I mean, around that same time years before, my age, I was going through a time of loneliness in Atlanta, mm. which wasn't a, a rural place, right? There are rural parts, I guess. He's so <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, this is actually in my notes. Come on. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but I was, it was just so I had done something stupid. So it wasn't even like, like, I don't know that you did anything stupid or sinful, right? Like you, were just, you just made a life choice. I made a life choice that was a completely dumb, stupid <laughs> choice. And as a result, found myself super alone, super um, miserable in a crowded, crowded place. And... And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Yeah, and, and on that note, there's two things I think of it. One is we said about being disciplined. Parents sometimes forget, and they have to remember, you're gonna, if you don't discipline your kids, you've got to be the dad you know, or the mom. Um, your children will still love you. And parents forget, this is like the other side of the coin. Yeah. Your children will still love you, and you have to remember that, as long as you don't be a jerk about it. But on the other side, when we've done something stupid, and this is again bring back like the tools the enemy uses to separate us from God. Yeah. You can't let that event, anything you might have done, continue to separate yourself from yeah. the relationship with God. Because that's a wedge you have to say, I screwed up, I'm going to live with the consequences of whatever I did. Yep. But God still loves me more than anyone else. And he's with us. And he's with us. He's faithful. He's mm. faithful. The third thing is this. The, the third thing that God is faithful through, he's faithful when we encounter enemies. You were just bringing, you brought up enemies a couple times. Have you ever had someone become your enemy and seemingly do things on purpose to destroy your life? Even uh, the Satan himself. And when we feel these things, we ask God, where are you? And this scripture says that the faithful love of the Lord 
never ends. Never ends. And that is what we, why we do what we do. We do what we do here at church because we believe that God is with us. Not like in a, we're America and you're the USSR, so God is with us, he likes us better kind of thing. Hmm. But God is with us as his people. And so we humbly go through suffering and we humbly love and serve others because he is with us. We then reflect that on the wider community. And so we're, we're, we're at time here. We, we, it went fast. And uh, so I have some chaffing good news. All right. Real quick, only two birthdays. Liz Matias, Liz. unless you guys know of somebody else who's hiding it. Liz Matias and Emily Schoenig. And Emily, uh, last week, had surgery on her leg, so be praying for her. But she's an awesome lady who is a member here at Chaffin. And uh, so be praying for Emily, too, as she heals. And, of course, Liz is, uh, you know, Tony and Liz, they, they are part of our church. Awesome people, members. And so let's be celebrating their birthday with them. That's some chaffing good news. And uh, so then today, I know this is, this is an audio podcast, so go with us on this. Today is our annual congregational meeting. We talked about that last week. Uh, that's today at some time. One o'clock. One o'clock. Uh, July 1st, the Rogers, Ray and Angela Rogers, their, their community, the community cookout is at their house. July 3rd and 10th, the Oak and Sparrow Ministry. Uh, we'll be going up to Vermont and serving with them. Of course, we had Mark Hara on the podcast a few weeks ago. And you can register for that, by the way, at chaffin.church. And then July 10th, the Food and Coat Drive. You can register to volunteer at that as well with the mission team <laughs> and our vice moderator. Of course, that might be vice chair at the end of all of this, right? That's, vice chair. That'll be a conversation I'm for... I like vice czar or czarette. Czarette. Hmm. I refuse to call you. I might call you Zaret, actually. Zaret, that's kind of a cool name. Can we call you Zaret? It's that... like an alien bad guy name. I am Zaret. <laughs> my driving this time on way too long. I'm sorry. People want to get Speaking of I am Zaret, uh, did you guys see the trailer for He-Man? No. It's out there. I have the power. <laughs> Anyways, that was maybe my childhood. That's not Probably my too old for you, too boy. young for you. Yeah. Hey. Uh, if you would like to support the podcast or the church, we would be so thankful if you did that. You can go to chaffin.church slash giving and do that. Or you can text any amount to 84321. Or you could send your gift to 155 Shrewsbury Street in Holden. Thank you so much for checking us out. Once again, please subscribe to this podcast. Share the podcast and rate the Chaffin Church podcast, probably the greatest podcast this side of eternity. Uh, next to the one my daughter's did. It's way better than that, Dan. <laughs> you have more episodes, <laughs>
<laughs> I just have to put the plug in for my kids. Wait, wait. Could we say like this side of the Mississippi? Like where is she located? Can, well, can we just can we just parse it out? This, this, this side, side of the Massachusetts border. This side of the Massachusetts border. <laughs> Massachusetts border. The Massachusetts New Hampshire line. Yeah, yes. They don't do it anymore. Yeah. But this is a pretty sure. awesome. I listened to it. Thank you. I even Good. To the one, even though I have you rated it. it yet? I don't know how. I know it's still recording, but I was going to ask after you turned off the camera. I mean, I'm on Spotify, and I can never figure out how to. I, I subscribe, but we need to tell the viewers. I don't. I, on Spotify, I assume you can rate it, right? Can you? I. It's not I an Apple no podcast. It's just on Apple. You do it through Spotify. It's too I fun. listen on Google Podcasts, and when you open any podcast, there's just a, a star thing. A star there. thing. There's yeah. an Apple. I've been on Castbox and, and Spotify. Huh. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to train just after the podcast. Teach me. Teach me. I am teachable. I but teach me. anyways, this has been good news. Now go and give some out.